Coming up on Podcast 1629, the Cadillac Celestic EV is ridiculous luxury in every possible way. Stick around, I'll tell you more. Also on the show today, we'll talk about Kia e-Nero, sorry, Nero EV, going on sale in the US with some pricing for the 2023 model year. Why the Apple iPhone maker is going to make three new electric cars and BMW investing big in China on electric cars. Well, good morning, good afternoon or good evening, wherever you are in the world. It's EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information for Thursday, 20th of October. My name is Martin Lee and I go through every EV story so you don't have to. Thanks a lot to the podcast this month, sponsored by And Charge. They have a high-level reward on Ionity Chargers as their first foray into the UK market. You answer some quick questions about the charge location you're at if you're on Ionity, and you earn yourself 10 kilometres per station. 60Ks can be redeemed for £5 in Amazon vouchers or charging credits. Uh, You earn credits for taking part in the challenges, whether the charges are broken or not, but obviously if you do see a fault, you can report it that way and it gets sent straight back to the charge operator. Download the And Charge app now. Let's start with the Cadillac Celestic. I've been calling it the Celestique because it seems like I should call it Celestique. Uh, but there are a couple of emails from listeners let me know that actually uh, they would like me to call it Cadillac Celestic, as in Lyric, Celestic, not Lyric, Celestique. And they were like, see, that's the way the naming convention goes. So it's the Lyric, I get it. The Celestic, I get it. So there we go. <laughs> hey, this is a hand-built $300,000... What? EV. None of them will be bought stock, let's face it. They'll all be customised if you are swimming in that market. And the elongated shape is certainly a curious style because it's got this massive overhang on the rear wheels. It just keeps going and going and going. It's like a boat. Uh, There's something about the form where it juts out at the rear that throws off the whole effect, says Top Gear. They're not keen on it. Uh, It's quite an effect, though. A huge fast back, four-door. It says it's got the wheelbase of a school bus, and it is ridiculously light. It's ridiculous in every possible way. In the luxury, the size, the power, it'll be like 600 horsepower or something. Four seconds, naught to 60 plus. And why do you need a car that is going to cost Rolls-Royce money to do 0-60 to in four seconds. Well, I guess bragging rights. If you've got that much money to spend and you want to do it once as a party trick and then and then you'll just waft around in it, I guess. Five-link adaptive air suspension front and rear, magnetic ride control, active rear steering, active roll control. Look, it, this thing is going to have all of the luxury toys loaded on board that you could possibly want. But like I say, it starts at 300. But by the time you start to get into customization, it'll be 350, 400,000. And they're hand built. Like I say, this is going to be one of those cars that I think, you know, magazines will do articles on. The Motoring Press will talk about the likes of you and I won't buy, but they will have sort of a halo effect, I guess, around electric vehicles, which is why I'm talking about it on this uh, podcast. Um, it is this enormous piece of glass that runs the length of the vehicle, the biggest piece of automotive glass on a production car, uh, they tell me, uh, that will reflect infrared heat off in the summertime, but also keep heat in uh, in the wintertime. Uh, It won't go into production until the end of next year, says Top Gear. Now, something that is far more affordable to the likes of you and I, that is the Kia e-Nero. Sorry, Nero EV, as it's got its new global name. 
Two trim levels in the US, wind and wave, they call it, and it starts at $40,000, including the destination charge. And it's really well equipped, 17-inch alloys, and it's got automatic LED headlights, heated mirrors, automatic wipers, privacy glass, power liftgate. That's interesting. I wonder if that translates to the European market. I can see why the US market would perhaps need it to keep up with the competition, but... um, I don't know. Like I've never, I've never thought. Oh man, I've actually got to touch the boots and put it down. Look, if I had a sixty thousand dollar Audi e-tron or something, a Mercedes Benz EQC, then you start to want all the little toys and gadgets. But hey, on a forty grand car, power liftgate—that's very cool. Eight-way power drivers' seat, heated seats as well, heated leather seat, dual-zone climate. Big instrument and infotainment display. I really, really like the infotainment display in the Kona Nero. Arnic 5, EV6, etc. It's all the same set of icons, and it's the, the Hyundai way of doing it. Wired CarPlay and Android Auto. And uh, and the sound systems in the Kia tend to be pretty good as well. So they also add vehicle to load for the 2023 model year. And I think that's really, really interesting because ultimately, in a power cut, yes, you could keep your house going. I guess you could run an extension lead off. I think it, it'll, at least the UK version, because we run 240 volts on our mains, at least... You could probably keep the fridge freezer on and maybe some lighting, possibly if you had like an infrared heating panel, possibly if you needed to keep the gas boiler ignited. I don't know, maybe you could plug it in somehow. In an emergency, it would keep your house running. What's more interesting is when you take these cars, I don't know, on a camping trip or possibly somewhere that you just don't have power. Not going to be used as a work vehicle, but to have a vehicle to load. And I think some of them do a decent sort of three kilowatts. That's boiling a kettle, right? So um, it's got a great set of specs on this. And of course, uh, if you get the top uh, the top spec, then you get uh, their HDA2, Highway Driving Assist, which you get on the Kona and the Nero, which is not only adaptive cruise, but also automated lane changing. Now, I had that on the Kona Ultimate, that we had for three months, and I think they had HDA2. And it worked pretty well, but it was only on certain roads. And I've got to travel quite a long way from my house to get to the motorway, and ultimately, I just need a fairly, fairly decent uh, automatic cruise control, and possibly lane centering is kind of handy. I don't need it to map the main motorways in the country and, and auto lane change. I'm just not on those roads enough. But if you do, if that is how you use the car, then... um. I found it. I found it pretty good the few times I used it. And then, if you've got the need for things like all the parking sensors and stuff, it comes with it. Look, the, obviously, with the Kia EV6 coming out, and equally the Hyundai Ioniq 5, you we wonder like where is the Nero and the Kona fitting in? Now, forty grand isn't cheap. It's, it's not a thirty grand ID4 or a thirty grand um, uh, Bolt, for instance, right? So it's not going to be. Mega, mega cheap on monthly payments, but I think for that spec, it's pretty decent. Now, uh, staying with the same company, and Hyundai is lobbying the United States to ease these new laws that are going to be enacted from January the 1st, where only the subsidies are available seven and a half grand if the cars are built in North America. Hyundai said they won't have their plant ready till 2025, and they want Biden to rethink uh, the law. There are some interpretations, though. They say they could have some other foreign car makers um, eligible, depending on how you read it. I don't know the exact wording, which is interesting. They're about to break ground on a 5.5 billion dollar facility in southern Georgia. And that means that by the middle of the decade, Hyundai will make the cars in the US and get access to the federal tax credit. But it does mean that their competitors get a head start.
Hyundai are asking for a delay in the North American manufacturing requirement. In other words, can we still bring our cars in, please, from South Korea and still get that $7,500 for our customers? Well, the bill that starts on January 1st denies that to anything that's uh, not made in North America, or even if the battery components come from um, a country that is a foreign entity of concern. They should just write China in there, but that's what they've written. And um, beginning of 2025, that also includes any critical mineral in the battery that is even processed in those countries. So pop a link to Bloomberg in the show notes if you'd like to read more about that story at your leisure. Germany, next in the news. Today, the German government approved a plan to spend 6.3 billion euros, that's $6.1 billion, over the next three years to scale up charging stations. That, my friends, is a good thing. I don't know about you, but I am starting to see more and more queues at charging stations. And it's it's made even worse for us non-Tesla drivers when those charging stations are co-located and you'll pass 10, 12, 14 Tesla superchargers. Uh, I did yesterday on the M3 uh, going up to London. Uh, there's something called Fleet Northbound. It's a motorway service station. And there was one Tesla charging. And there was a queue of two cars to use the two grid serves. And I didn't need to charge. It's fine. I popped in and got myself a cheeky little Starbucks and went on the way. But still, if I'd needed a charge, I reckon that was at least a 45-minute stop maybe a 45-minute wait for the cars ahead to charge. One of them was a BMW iX. And that's got a big old chunky battery. He'd have been there in a long time. So uh, one of them was a Leaf. That'd be charging slowly. Oh, we just need more chargers. And Germany is getting them. And it's a 14-fold increase in the number of charging stations, climbing to a million of them by the end of the decade from 70,000 now. 15 million electric vehicles will be on Germans ro- Germany's road by 2030, from 1.5 million now. And so they are planning for the future. The Taiwanese maker of iPhones, well, the contract manufacturer, they're called Foxconn, and they've just shown off three new electric vehicles at Tech Day, a production version of the Model C, which was a concept we've seen already, a Model B, which is a hatchback at 4.3 metres long, so that's VWID3 territory, and the Model V, which is a pickup truck. So I wonder if Tesla will have an issue with Foxconn calling them Model something i mean i don't know if tesla has uh you know rights to use the word model on evs exclusively but fox kind of got the model c model b model v they clearly won't have a model s or a you know x but still um i'll pop a link to electrive in the show notes so you can read more about that story okay leave us turned on coming up we will talk about bmw investing in china and neo changing the way they sell their cars in europe stick around those stories are on the way now let's talk about BMW investing in China. Another 10 billion yuan, that is 1.4 billion US dollars equivalent for their high-voltage battery production center in northeast China, likely to be their third complete power power battery center globally outside of Germany. It'll be the first one. And confirmation came after some overseas report said that BMW is going to axe UK production of the electric mini and move it all over to China, writes globaltimes.cn. So Chinese media writing this story. BMW Group nevertheless told Global Times that BMW's plant in Oxford will continue to make the mini for the next generation. 
but they didn't say if it'd be all the EVs. Oxford plays an important role in BMW's production strategy, said BMW, without specifying that the EVs would be made here in the UK. I wouldn't be surprised if that was shipped off to China. Plenty of cars do get made there that people don't seem to care about. The Polestar 2 is made in China. People think that as a sort of Swedish, Scandi, Volvo. That's made in China. You know, the BMW iX3, German car, that's made in China. So, uh, you know, my MG, the mighty, mighty MG ZSEV. That's made in China. Although I think we're, we've had it for a year now because just ticked, I just renewed the insurance. Um, so that's reminded me. I think it's time for it to go. Not that we don't love it. It's a great car, by the way. Um, it, it's th- everything our family has thrown at it. It's handled. But I think just because I do an EV podcast and I think I should drive more EVs, then it's time to change it. So I'll let you know how we go with that uh what is it coming up to two and a bit years old now so yeah not even had its first mot yet but that we've we've loved the mg now neo the co-founder and president of the company neo saying they will consider changing their strategy in europe because when they first launched neo in europe they were going to do it as a subscription or as a uh, not like long-term rental, uh, but in an article posted yesterday, Neo announced it was starting deliveries of the ET7 in Europe, and they suggested they would allow the purchase of vehicles in Europe, and uh, they're considering looking at sales rather than uh, not having an option to buy those vehicles. BYD, another Chinese company, the Atto 3, it's the A-T-T-O, Atto. The Atto 3 just got a five-star rating in Euro NCAP and Europe's um, safety assessment program giving its top honours. And it has changed over the years as well. So the Euro NCAP test is getting more and more difficult. So um, if, a, if, if a car got you know, three or four stars now, that would have been a five-star car not so long ago. But still, the BYD is a five-star rating. It makes its debut at the Paris Motor Show, and it has, uh, they say, a 91% adult protection rating on uh, on NCAP, which is really, really good. Uh, safety systems also getting 74%, and they highlighted how well the camera-based speed limits and lane keeping works i don't know if it's all cameras a vision only um justification there for the likes of tesla who say you don't need ultrasonics and you can do it all with cameras now general motors is benchmarking the rivian r1s you won't be surprised to hear the r1s is the suv version of the rivian and gm big ev plans obviously as i've talked about many times on the podcast 30 new evs globally by 2025 and now gm has been seen with some spy pictures driving around the rivian r1s now i'm pretty sure that uh gm didn't put the order in on rivian's website using the company credit card so i imagine what's happened here is an early buyer has got theirs and uh, I, I don't think there were many suvs in the wild uh, either eBayed it or something uh, for you know, three, four times what they paid for it, and car makers will pay that because that's worth it's worth its weight in gold to see how a competitor is doing their engineering. Now, in not so long ago, a lot of the car makers would swap their vehicles because they knew they were going to buy them anyway, and so they so it's a very long established. Um, uh, thing that the car makers do is is they would send as a matter of course send a new vehicle send send uh, a new model to one or more of their competitors because their competitors are going to do the same to them and their engineers are going to tear them down and and see what's inside them it just saves them going out and buying it on because uh, they're going to do it anyway so I don't know if Rivian did that I would be massively surprised if Rivian sent GM an R1s 
for free, but uh, I imagine GM has bought this somehow, and uh, and they'll, they'll obviously drive it around on their Milford Proving Ground, and at some point take it into bits and have a look. Now, the Cybertruck tooling is beginning at Gigafactory Texas. It is a bit of a running joke how Tesla don't deliver on their products, you know, the Semi truck 2017, roads to 2017, and we're almost in 2023, and those vehicles aren't here yet. Although we're told, you know, coming, 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 jam tomorrow. The Cybertruck, again, bit of a running joke around that. I think they will get there sooner or later. When, I mean, I don't know, the car's not coming here, the truck isn't coming here because it wouldn't pass our, our you know, impact tests for pedestrians. But um, it's a US only vehicle, but there's obviously hundreds of thousands of people who cannot wait for their Cybertruck, and they'll be delighted to hear tooling has begun. So, do you reckon vehicles will be delivered this year? Well, maybe. That's what I'm hopeful for. In their shareholder deck, uh, after the market closed for the Q3 results, uh, they revealed that tooling had now begun, and uh, they will use the 9,000-ton IDRA presses, a company that supplies equipment to uh, car manufacturers, to make those vehicles, and that'll be... Uh, I think they're already at the Austin Gigafactory. I think they're sitting outside there, uh, conveniently pictured by those that do the drone flyovers. Now, the US is awarding $2.8 billion in grants to EV batteries um, uh, companies in 12 states, according to PBS. The Biden administration yesterday announcing a $2.8 billion grant scheme to build and expand domestic EV batteries in 12 states, 20 companies getting grants. These are grants, by the way, um, to extract and process lithium, graphite and battery materials as the Biden administration is hell-bent on a domestic EV battery supply chain and not have to go cap in hand to China. And I really admire that, whether you admire the politics or not, and be divisive, I'm sure, uh, but it would be a disaster for the world to have one place that makes EV batteries and, and actually, more importantly, processes the minerals that go into them, which at the minute is like 90% China. So the more the merrier, the better for competition. And the Energy Secretary, Jennifer Granholm, uh, announcing the grant competition in May, now announcing that the grants have been made. I'm sure we'll hear more over the next few days about which companies have got those. Used EV prices are peaking, according to a new report in Green Car Reports. After a year of price hikes, used EV prices are starting to come down and slowing, according to sponsor of this podcast, Recurrent Auto. Now, you can get your battery reports, because if you're buying a used EV, you might worry about the battery. And I don't, by the way. But I do have, yeah, I've got the OBD2 dongles that I plug into cars, and I've got the apps, and I'm a nerd, and I do it on the MG. I like to see all of the little you know, down to cell temperatures. I, I can I can bore on about that for ages. And I think for the average buyer, you're buying an EV and you're probably just going on mileage. So if I'm buying a 60,000 mile EV, I'm guessing the battery's got some deg on it. If I'm buying a 1,000 mile EV that's nearly new, I'm guessing, unless it's been, you know, and the degradation of a, an EV battery happens mostly when it's new, by the way, then it, sta- it, it stabilizes. Um, I'm guessing it's as good as new. But you can get your battery reports if you're buying a used EV at recurrentauto.com, so you can be sure. But they're publishing some data today on used EV pricing, and they're looking at EVs from 2017 to 2019, the model years, and saying it's got a 2.9% decrease over 
the last three months. This is updated annually, and they look at cars like the Bolt, the i3, the Model S, the Leaf, uh, the e-tron, Model 3, e-golf, and more. Uh, when all used EVs are taken into account, the average prices haven't decreased. The average price of an EV is $42,700. Uh, that's higher than 33900 for a used combustion car. The average age of an EV is much less, though, than the average age of a used combustion car. And finally, Charin, which is the industry organisation that car makers sign up to, charging makers sign up to, um, third-party part supply, they'll sign up to Charin. And it's a working group, it's an organisation that, that does the CCS charging standard. And they've unlawed, they've launched and unveiled their megawatt charging system. And doing it in the US, they were showing off a truck charging on the megawatt charging system. The first opportunity for uh, medium and heavy duty vehicles to be tested and making sure that they all work fine. The megawatt charging system will, you know, at its peak, they have designed that as the next generation plug uh, or charging system to take three thousand amps. <laughs> Yeah, 3,000 amps at uh, 1.25 kilovolts. So that is a potential, and they won't use this, or they won't use all of the potential at the start. It's a potential of 3.75 megawatts of power. Now, if you think your EV might charge at 50 kilowatts or 100 kilowatts, or maybe if you're lucky and you got yourself a Porsche Taycan, 270 kilowatts, this new charging standard is... 3,750 kilowatts. So, you know, the CCS combo connector, I think it can take up to 500 kilowatts as a, as a connector, as a standard, but this is designed for commercial trucking in the future as further proof that EV commercial vehicles are not only on the way, but they've even thought about how they're going to be charged as well. ABB are doing the first projects on that. Now, thanks to everyone who sponsors the podcast, our premium partners of the show, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Brad Crosby, Porsche of the Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii. Derek Riley's got his brilliant EV Review Island YouTube channel. Channel, Richard at rsev.co.uk for buying and selling EVs in the UK. Octopus Electric Universe, it's global public charging made simple with one app and one map. And milbrookcottages.co.uk. Five-star luxury cottages in Devon, where they've even got hot tubs you can jump in while your EV charges. Have a good one, see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.